The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel. Presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining. Michael, we're back with yet another episode of The Unlikely Innovators. Um, again, had a great time talking to Kevin Olds, uh, co-founder of Willful. Um, lots to think about. What an amazing journey, starting with sort of some vis- very visceral goings on in his life that sort of bred the necessity to to go out and do something like this. I thought it was a, a really uh, good chat. Yeah, no, it was great. And I think, you know, as we talked about with Kevin in, in our conversation that I think one of the, obviously one of the main reasons we wanted to have him on today was to talk about Willful and how they're disrupting, you know, the the digital legal innovation world. But also I think having ha- like chat with him throughout his, uh, his journey, I think there were a lot of things that we didn't know about Kevin before mm-hmm. having him on and kind of seeing how, you know, unlikely I think his, his career path is to where he's currently in, in the sector he's in, but also how those experiences he's had along the way, you know, ultimately led him, you know, to some of these decisions and some of these uh, junctures in his, in his, in his timeline. So I think that's probably the best. And I think you pointed out that as far as unlikely innovators go, like this is, it was pretty unlikely from where he thought he would, he would go potentially. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's always great to, I think, to get that personal journey and learn that as well. But I think obviously willful, uh, you know, as, as a company, as a service in Canada is doing some pretty incredible things. Yeah. And I mean, I think I'm going to actually steal one of his sayings uh, going from a vitamin to a painkiller when it comes to to being useful to the to the audience that you're you're building a product for. So uh, I think we're uh, we're ready to hear more from Kevin. Olds. We're back and we're now pleased to be joined by Kevin Olds, who is the co-founder and head of research and innovation at Willful. He started Willful after a family member's passing showed him how difficult it is to plan for death and wrap up somebody's life in a digital age. His mission is to ensure every Canadian adult has protected their family and planned their legacy by creating a solid estate plan. Prior to starting Willful, Kevin worked in construction and project management. He is a member of the Tech for Sick Kids advisory board at Sick Kids and is excited to bring his experience to his new role at the University Health uh, Network Impact Collective, which aims to raise awareness and financial support for the UHN hospitals. His hobbies include golf and traveling, and he has visited six countries, and now he is a guest on the Like the Innovators. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And uh, just to, to, to point out something, uh, you mentioned six countries. It's That would be not too... Not too exciting. It's been six continents. But, yes. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I've, six I've, countries. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Six uh, <laughs> no, I've always been really excited about that fact that I need to visit Antarctica to to hit every continent. But uh, I just wanted to throw that out there because people are probably listening, going, "Wow, six countries, world traveler." <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's my bad because it, it no does worries. say it does say I can confirm to the listeners and viewers that it does say continents. And uh, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, we'll actually, we'll probably have some questions about that a little bit later when we like to have a little fun at the end of the show to talk about some of your travels. But when we typically start the show, Steve and I always try to find a refined way to basically ask the guests, what did you want to be when you grew up? And sometimes we'll come up with a convoluted way of asking that, but sometimes it's just simpler to just ask. So, you know, when you were younger, what kind of career path did you envision for yourself? Is this kind of what you thought, or did you have a different uh, route that you thought you might take uh, when you were, uh, when you were a kid? Well, like... Most Canadian kids growing up, obviously, I thought I was going to play in the NHL. <laughs> um, if you ask my dad, yeah, that was my uh, my direct career path was NHL. Um, but uh, that was something I always thought about when I was younger and maybe into my teens. But uh, when I was growing up, it was hockey, and I used to do a little bit of acting. I, I 
thought I could maybe make a career out of that. Like as a child star one day, I, uh, I interviewed or interviewed, I uh, auditioned for uh, the nineties movie, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Oh, yeah. And uh, I auditioned for the head elf and sadly I didn't get it. Uh, and that kind of, that was one of the movies or, or TV shows that I, I didn't get and kind of said, all right, maybe this is something that's not going to pan out, but um, no, growing up, um, I I was really unaware of what I wanted to do. Um, and that carried into middle school and high school when you're being asked at a very young age, you know, what do you want to do? Because you need to pick these courses at this age if you want to get into this class, to get into this career. And that freaked me out. So much anxiety because I really had no idea. And uh, I wish there was more guidance around uh how to approach that because mm -hmm. i mean you talk to a lot of adults they don't even know what they want to do uh at some point uh so it was it was definitely not on my radar to get into estate planning or even uh you know run a tech business mm -hmm. yeah it's actually there's two two points one was that uh i was living in mississauga when they were filming the santa claus in you know the toronto area at the time and i remember there was a kid in our class i think we were in grade three or four and he had it he was an extra in the movie and i remember when the movie came out he had us come over to his house he's like that's me i'm the elf on the train and we're like we can't even see your face like how do we know that's you i'm sure it was him because you know although kids why would you lie, lie so about that why would you lie but kids lie so anyway but yeah. the next the next point I was going to say is that uh, Steve and I have talked about this like on the program previously that just like, you know, when we were younger going through the guidance council process, like they didn't really know what you could do with, with different career, with different educational options. Right. For us, it was kind of like, you want to do this. So like, this is your one or your two options you can do. And if you don't like those, then I can't help you. Right. So I think hopefully we've come a long way since those days, but I totally relate to, to being kind of put in a box but without kind of knowing what else existed beyond, you know, what you were kind of told was, was the path you could take. Yeah. I, I think some people will probably remember this. I think we're probably around the same age. Right. So it was maybe grade nine. I remember there was a computer program uh, that uh, there was only a limited amount of computers at this time in, in, in the schools, but uh, it was basically fill out these questions and it would spit out kind of suggestions on what, what career path you might take. Um, and I, I remember it was something to do with hands-on art or trades, um, which was kind of in in my realm because I, I was always quite handy. And my dad used to bring me in, into a lot of home um, improvement projects. So I've always been kind of uh, geared towards, um, you know, fixing things, trades. And, mm -hmm. and that was kind of the, the path that I stumbled into um as you know as a as a teenager and then um as a younger adult um and i i did a lot of different jobs i had uh, a handful of jobs um that i that i got into and i think it was great because I, I i feel like it made me pretty well well-rounded um but uh, yeah you never know where your life's going to take you in terms of career so it's good to have some options and some 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 knowledge in different areas yeah, and I, it would be such an interesting thing um, if we could never get our hands on those old aptitude tests that sort of <laughs> placed you. Because I wonder if there, if you could plot, you know, accuracy versus the prediction. I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's there's no correlation in those. Because I remember, uh, gosh, like I think mine said something to do with like biology, and I had no interest in biology. Um, 
like like literally did not take a course of biology in high school but they're, they're like this guy's a biologist i they, well maybe they know better than i do but uh you know you like you consult the oracle to find out what you should be doing but um we did some uh just we looked online before like in preparation for this discussion kevin that we noticed that you uh you spent some time at colleges um mm-hmm. Uh, and, and had some education from colleges. Um, we, we're kind of interested to know what programs you did end up taking, just to look at the chronology of where this go, and uh, if any of that education sort of serves you now in, in your current career path. Well, that's a great question. Um, so, key word is some education. Uh, I so just to be to be honest, uh, growing up, I I was not a good student. Um, not that I acted out or was you know a, a terror in class but um school was difficult for me and I guess it was maybe a, a blend of not knowing you know my learning style at the time and um maybe teachers not understanding how to best approach me or, or you know get to me kind of thing but um school is really challenging um I was lucky lucky to have a group of friends who were just like absolute um you know geniuses in my mind uh basically straight A's uh, some wouldn't even need to study for calculus tests. They were just, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of me. Um, so having that friend group was really uh, helpful for me to kind of just like continue on trying and pushing forward. Um, and they would obviously help me here and there whenever um, I needed help on assignments. But we essentially went through school together, uh, middle school, high school, um, and had the same friend group and was in a lot of classes up until early high school until they started taking, you know, advanced calculus, which was just, uh, I, I wanted to stay away from that at all costs, but same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, again, with the really not knowing what I wanted to do, um, I had a buddy who, um, said, Hey, I just got, uh, ex- ex- um, I got accepted to the program, uh, at Fanshawe, like rec and leisure services. Um, you know, I think I want to be a gym teacher, um and I was like that's pretty cool um you know I I, summers off would be all right and we had a good relationship with our gym teacher who was also our hockey coach and and I thought I could I could see my life (laughs) as a gym teacher so again I just kind of went for it and and learned about the other options it was uh Reck and Leisure was focused on potentially being a gym teacher or working in older age kind of care facilities which I was not sure about at the time, but I was interested to see what that looked like in the programming. So um, the one thing I will say is the the school was great. Uh, my experience was awesome. But going in, I really, I kind of started to learn what I didn't want to do, uh, which is, is important. Um, and it's important to recognize that as soon as possible. I know some people or parents are listening, you know, we they pay good money to go to school and they're freaking out. It's like, no, see it through. And in some cases that that is a good choice and it really comes down to your own personal kind of situation. But for me, I saw that, uh, you know, this wasn't really what I want to do. And it kind of trickled down into my studies and my, you know, my, my, my want to, to be present and, and, and see this further. So I could have done a few different things, I guess, but I didn't end up finishing. Um, but when I came back, um, after one year, I again went back to the trades kind of side of things. And um, I was talking to some other, buddy, other buddies who were discussing becoming a linesman and, and uh, working in Toronto Hydro or for Hydro One kind of thing. And 
I said, that, that's not bad. It's, it's good money. Uh, dangerous job. And, and, you know, depending on where you are, like Sudbury might be extremely mm-hmm. cold at uh, most times during the winter, but mm-hmm. that was kind of the, the next, all right, I can use this. And if I don't like hydro, uh, I can, I can turn it into being like an electrician or something. So I went and got my prerequisite to, uh, to get accepted as a linesman. And once I did that program, I was essentially, I think I was pretty close to getting hired at Toronto Hydro and in 2008 or right before 2008. And we had the, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the crazy, um, uh, housing, uh, <laughs> disaster housing yeah. and, uh, everything kind of like stopped. So they had a hiring freeze. Um, so from there it was okay. Can't do that. Um, I, I called my old boss at a cement plant where I used to work as a summer student and asked him if they were hiring. And he said, uh, we're, yeah, we'll get you in. And they asked me what my, you know, my goals were there. And it was to get an electrical apprentice, uh, apprenticeship and, and go from there. Um, but, uh, yeah, things, things turned, turned out quite differently. This is probably the best, uh, like, so we always try and pick guests that have like the unlikely innovators sort of moniker built into their, uh, their background. This so far is probably the best example and the most interesting example. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to hear more. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say that's uh that's a perfect segue, uh, Kevin, because obviously we talked about it in, in your bio, but obviously we want to talk about willful today. And, you know, I meant you mentioned in the bio, like how the genesis of the company came about, but maybe in your own words for our listeners and viewers who haven't, you know, come across the company yet, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the origins of Willful and, and, and what Willful does to serve Canadians now. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so before Willful was Willful, um, it was, I, I essentially started a different company and the company was called Final Blueprint. And I'll get back to that um, that name and, and, and how the company became uh, what it is. But First of all, the the name Final Blueprint. I, I get a lot of people who are <laughs> they think it's like an architectural firm or or something. But uh, I used to um, work with a family member, my uncle, at the cement plant. He's the one who got me in. He was there for thirty years, and he um, he was a well respected man there. And I got into the plant pretty easy. And it came up when someone else got hired the same day. Said like, "Hey, how how long have you been waiting?" That I don't know. I applied a week ago and I got in basically. And they're like, well, I've been waiting a year. Um, so my my uncle had some 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 pull there, I guess. But uh um I was, you know, uh going to work uh one day and I got a call and it was essentially saying that my uncle passed away very unexpectedly. And it was the uncle that I worked with, and um it uh it shocked her family and kind of everyone at, at work um and from there after kind of the dust settled um families are kind of thrown into this this planning mode and whether it's known or or, or uh you know sudden the passing of a family member um it's not easy to to get through some of those questions that come up so um my aunt asked me to to help out um so i kind of became the de facto assistant or executor, even though I wasn't the executor, I was the, 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 the talking point for my aunt with the company, with insurance companies. And um, all these questions started coming up earlier on from, you know, 
burial preparations. And when something suddenly happens uh, and you, you're asked these questions, you don't want to make the wrong decision. Um, you don't want to second guess certain decisions. So um, I know I asked my aunt, I said, you know, you were married for 40 years. How, how could you not have a conversation about death? Like it's, that, it just boggled my mind. And it was, that was way off, you know, that off the table that, uh, nope, we uh, just, we would avoid that just didn't come up. So that was kind of shocking to me um, because I had a couple of health scares before this happened with my uncle. And um, this is, I was already kind of thinking about this space. And if something happened to me, you know, I, I wanted to make sure I had some sort of plan in place so that I didn't envision my girlfriend who's now my wife and my, my family fighting. But um, I find it, I found out from one of the guys at work and they said, yeah, I, I, I talked with your uncle years ago on night shifts about this. You know, he'd want to do this. And uh, so I told my aunt, she was super happy. And after that, it was just more questions. You know, what song should we play? What, who should do this? And it was just, it broke my heart to see my aunt uh, going through this and, and not knowing and second guessing herself. Um, and there was also some, some pretty, I would say, heated um, arguments between our family members trying to decide or guess what my uncle would have wanted best. So after that, um, like I said, I, I had a couple experiences um, where I, it made me think of this space. And again, without getting into too much detail and try to be as quick as possible, um, I was involved in a, a big accident uh, in the winter and uh, somebody was um, critically injured and I had to, I had to do a uh, first aid uh, maneuver to, to, to one of their extremities. And uh, they just were talking to me and saying like, you know, tell my, tell my wife, I love her and tell my son to be good. And it, I'll never forget it. But I basically, after I was released from the hospital, I came back to the house or to, to our condo and told uh, Aaron, my, my wife, um, Hey, I'm, I'm starting a business in this space. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, and that was kind of the the process of how this came up. Um, and again, talking about unlikely innovators, I couldn't, you know, <laughs> write a line of code. Uh, it, it was it was such a, an instrumental leap in my mind. But uh, going back to trying to find what you want to do, it, this was something that I was passionate about. And to not sound like a cliche that was something that was really resonating with me. This is okay. I'm passionate about this space and, and, and helping people not go through what our family did. Um, but it, it really was kind of the driving force of like taking my current path and, and just, you know, complete 180 to, to something different. Yeah, that's, that's uh yeah, that is a pretty uh, unlikely story, but again, I, I think a great uh, a great reason to get into it. And you know, we want we'll have some more questions for you about the actual company. But one thing I did want to ask you because I I discovered Wolfel by watching a Dragons Den recap. I didn't catch the original episode. I think it was in season sixteen that you and Aaron, your wife and your co founder, pitched. Yep. But we had Manjeet Minhas on the show a few months back, so we got the behind the scenes of like what it's like for them and the long days they have taping, they hear, you know, dozens of pitches a day for like weeks on end. So like there's tons of pitches and there's, you know, parts of the show that we obviously don't see because they have to trim it down. But like on the other side of the room, when you're pitching to these dragons, especially, you know, to your point earlier where you, you didn't, you know, you didn't know how to line, uh, write a line of code and now you're, 
you're pitching for capital and things like this. Like, what was that experience like? Uh, if you can kind of walk us through, you know, arriving on the on the den floor and and making your your pitch to 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 the dragons. Yeah, sure. I uh, so I listened to that episode with Manjeet, and she's she's awesome, very very impressive uh, entrepreneur, and uh, she was. Uh, she was on our list to to be careful with because she was sometimes the most critical from what we saw. But uh, I think, first of all, everyone in the early days was like, oh, you got to go and drink and send and pitch. And it was, nope, they're going to literally rip me apart. <laughs> like, we are way too early. Um, so once we got to a certain point um, where we felt we could, you know, competently uh, back up our valuation and our numbers, uh, it was a no-brainer to us. So, um, yeah, going on the Dragon's End was an amazing experience. It was, um, for anyone else who's thinking about it, it's it's definitely, uh, I would I would recommend it, um, with the caveat of, you know, don't go on too early. But um, when you are thinking about it and you, you are potentially ready, you need to really, really prepare. Um, we did so much research. We, we watched... Year well, I mean, we always watched the show growing up, or not growing up, but it's I think it's mm -hmm. been on to your point 16 years. But we are always avid watchers of Dragon's Den and Shark Tank, so we just went back and and watched a couple uh notable kind of pitches that were more in our space, you know, tech platforms or um fintech or legal, anything like that. So uh, we just prepared, we had um, we had our, our team, we had investors. We would do mock trials of, of pitching and we would ask them to be ruthless with us, like just, you know, hammer us with questions. Um, and it was, it's funny. I'll, I'll get back to it in a second, but after it was done, we were like, that, that wasn't as bad. And we, my wife and I both said, we kind of get more nervous about certain, like some podcasts or, or, or uh, journalist pitches, which some people would think that's nuts, but we just, prepared we uh at the time my wife was pregnant and we would literally walk around our town we had our, our questions our pitch and we would just practice our pitch and that was another thing is is again sounding lame practice makes perfect and uh it just becomes natural um and we could basically do the entire pitch for uh say something happened to my wife uh where she it would be more likely me to to mess up she could say my whole part and i could say her whole part um, but, uh, yeah, the, 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 the preparation was, was key. And, and I, we feel like watching the episode again, we, we, you know, successfully answered questions and, um, held our own. Um, but the, uh, the dragons, it, it can be, it can be intimidating for sure. Uh, especially for people who haven't, you know, spoke in front of a camera or pitched before. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's the, you know, the, my thought was, okay, we're going to get, you know, run out of town or something because they, they, they said something and we couldn't think about it. It's going to be all over Canada. Um, but you just got to kind of take that stuff out and, and just, you know, just go with what you practice and, and be confident that it's going to be successful. Yeah. And not to jump all over the place here. Um, but I think it would be beneficial to sort of understand, uh, there's a bit of a gap now in our story as we talk about this between you know, that sort of obviously visceral moments that, that caused you to have the idea and how it got refined into something yeah. that could be pitched for investment. So maybe just tell us about the core sort of function of, of Willful as it stands today and, and how that came about, maybe. 
Yeah, I just uh, I just realized I uh, didn't add the, uh, the the how Final Blueprint became willful. Well, we also but... didn't ask, so yeah. so, so um, please go ahead. So yeah, again, in the in the early days, this company I like I made a site on Wix. Um, it was again trying to find someone to build this. Uh, I had no money. I had I was an unknown person outside of my being my wife's. You know, at the time, I was her boyfriend who had a pretty. Uh, good network in the Toronto tech scene, but I did go to co-founder dating. I went to every meetup and um, I was just laser focused on finding a CTO to build this. But um, the actual platform in the early days, there was nothing legally binding. It was everything outside of a will. It was the, it was funeral preparations, things that uh, you'd want to say on your uh, like a goodbye tweet or your Facebook posts. And, and now Facebook and other um other tech platforms that people use every day have really put an emphasis on um, what happens when an account holder passes away. So before it was almost, I mean, Apple's the most strict uh, platform that uh, to, that is out there when it comes to getting access to a, an account. But um, this this new this platform that I had, it was, I guess, the best way to describe it, or one of our advisors described it as a, this way was it was a, a nice to have. It was a vitamin, it wasn't a painkiller. So mm. um, I did find somebody to you know, actually build a website. It took a while, <laughs> uh, but uh, we launched it, and I was I was certain I was going to be you know the next uh, <laughs> you know Elon Musk or whatever. But uh, it was it was uh, crickets. Like I think there was twenty people who, uh, who who signed up. Most of it, most of them were uh, family members. Um, so struggling with that for a while, and just trying to understand what's happening. Um, why aren't people buying this product or using it? Um, that's when I really started to like focus on building out a team. And at that time to start that, it was a team of advisors um, who had expertise in areas that I didn't have. Um, and then from there it was, okay, this is great. This is a, an interesting space, but what's the painkiller? And that was the will. And that was again, something where it was doing some research, you know, 57% of Canadian adults don't have a will. Why not? Expensive. You know, some lawyers don't have the best reputation. People are intimidated. Um, so it was really trying to take that offline experience and, and, and put it in an online experience for digital natives like myself. And, and the way we looked at it is we're building this because we're building this for us. Like we are the core demographic. Uh, what would we want? And we really focused on... Uh, people in that demographic, but also being inclusive of, of you know, old ages uh, in different demographics. How can we make this intuitive, accessible? Um, and, and that was really the start of um, the, the the focus from the nice to have to willful, the, the proper company that it is today. Yeah, and I think um, that I love the analogy uh, vitamin to painkiller because that's that's exactly when the sort of switch flips for a lot of tech companies, right? when you go for that window dressing to core in the, in the walls concrete. Right. Um, I, I'm going to assume something and you can correct me if I'm wrong, yep. but, but we, we go, so the pandemic starts to happen. You can't go and meet with your lawyer anymore. You have to stay at home. Will and estate planning sort of gets turned on its ear. I would imagine. What did that mean for willful when that sort of started happening? Cause you have an online experience. It's entirely remote. What, what does that mean for, for willful at that point? 
So, yeah, 2020, we were actually um, just started to uh, fundraise. We were raising a seed round and uh, we had we had uh, some great prospects. And as soon as, you know, COVID-19 started to become mainstream media and, and everywhere, I think a lot of investors started to hold on to their money and say, hey, listen, let's cool conversations for a bit and see where everything settles. Um, so that was kind of the experience we had. It was great for us that we, we weren't in need. We wanted to raise money to, um, you know, expedite growth, but, um, we were, we were, we were bummed. We were excited to, um, to get an influx of, of, of capital to, to hire some more people and, and experiment more with, uh, you know, digital paid ads. And it was, um, a bit of a gut shot and what we started to see was as the months progressed, we started to see a huge uptick um, in, in sales. Like we saw a 600% increase in sales and traffic. Um, so we went back to some of those earlier investors and said, hey, we, uh, we, we, we think we should talk. And um, we started conversations again, and then we, were, you know, we, raised, we were successful in raising money. Um, and we ended up you know, hiring some key people to, to help accommodate for this, uh, you know, this jump in traffic and, and customers. Um, and the other, the other point to kind of bring back to the, to the main question is it was a scary time for people. Um, so, you know, everything, every day on the news, you heard how many times or how many deaths are happening. So people were scared. People were starting to look into um, estate planning and, and power attorney documents. And uh, we kind of said we we're here to to help this uh, to help people, but we we, we kind of paused um, our advertising. We didn't think it was very classy to kind of you know jump on this. We did it in I think in a tasteful way, um, but it was it was a, a wild time. Um, but uh, one of the biggest things that happened out of that because. Our platform is online, but in Ontario and well, at the time, the rest of Canada, you needed to print your will off and, and, and the other documents. Um, but let's just stick with the will. You had to print it off and have two witnesses sign it in person. Um, so that was that was a big no-no during uh, during COVID. So people were doing signings in their, you know, in their sunrooms with people outside freezing or, or, or wearing hazmat suits. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty intense to, to hear the stories of people. And, and luckily the Ontario government and other governments around, um, around Canada, like provincially, they started to, to say like, we need to change the rules right now to make a more digital uh, experience. And um, BC, um, they, they amended or they uh, passed bill 21 and it's the, in, in our opinion, it's the, the, the bill that has been the most um, accessible in, in Canada right now. And we applaud the Law Society of BC for what they did, but they've allowed for people to um, digitally sign, digitally store, and virtually witness on their wills, uh, which has been uh, like, that's that's a new main focus uh, at Willful is, is we're running a pilot. I'm, I'm running this pilot right now uh, in BC for uh, digital witnessing and, and, and uh, signings. And it's been, it's been a game changer. Um, some provinces, Saskatchewan is gonna be releasing um, a new bill soon. They've gone through the third reading. Um, so it should receive royal sense soon. Um, 
but uh, they are, the different law societies are trying to keep lawyers in the mix with when it comes to uh, requiring a lawyer to be one of the witnesses, which is, uh, we can understand why uh, in some ways, but uh, we do feel that it is it is a, a wall and an extra cost for the general public to get their documents done because you don't need it um, when you do it with paper. So it's we're we're trying to work with different provincial governments to help emphasize the learnings we've had from BC since uh, December first, twenty twenty one, where we actually we were the first. Uh, digitally uh, and virtually witnessed uh, signature or will in uh, in Canadian history, which it was pretty neat where I was up at 3 a.m. and um, mm -hmm. doing a signing with uh, one of our customers in BC. But um, yeah, COVID really uh, changed the game um, in, in legal innovation. Yeah, no, <clears throat> for sure. And actually, it's kind of, you know, I just wanted to ask you this because obviously you'd mentioned, you know, with some of the some of the barriers uh, you're, you're currently trying to deal with navigating some of these changes in terms of like the response from the legal community. Um, wh what has that been like? Cause obviously, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, people potentially going from initially booking appointments with lawyers to now potentially using a, a digital service. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was uh, a really big concern earlier on. Um, I was, um, I was worried that the legal um, community was going to have, uh, you know, a big issue um, with with willful, and it's. I was, I was pretty wrong in terms of like thinking we were going to get, you know, bad press from them and attacked. Uh, it's been pretty welcoming, to be honest. Um, a lot of lawyers will say, you know, it's it's important for people to have these documents, and there's not enough Canadians who have uh, their estate plans in place, so. Um, we, we've always tried to be, um, you know, advocates and, and work with lawyers. We obviously, we work with lawyers across Canada to help, you know, they're the ones who create our legal templates and our legal, um, language. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been pretty good. I think, uh, I, from the lawyers that we've spoken to, it's a lot of lawyers look at wills as a loss leader. They're really in my opinion, or from my from my uh, experience, they're they're making a lot of their money or focused on uh, home transactions, um, and sometimes they'll give them free wills, and then they'll get them in the door to do their uh, to do their you know their real estate transactions where mm -hmm. it's more money and and uh, so I, I think they haven't worried too much about us, but uh, again, we're always trying to uh, work with lawyers um, and. In terms of legal innovation, just to jump back into that, um, the Law Society of Ontario um, started a program and actually Willful is the first online estate planning company in Canada to get, uh, we're in a program for two years to get our uh, our license to be able to offer legal services. So um, again, it's, it's great to see that they're working with companies um, to try to help bring, you know, more accessible options to the general public. Um, but we were, uh, it was a lengthy process and we're extremely proud to be uh, part of this program. That, yeah, no, that's great. And one of the things we, um, we wanted to ask you, and I think you already alluded to this is, is obviously in Canada, there's a growing, you know, demographic of older adults, you know, now and in the, in the coming years, it's going to be a significant part of our population. So obviously a lot of those people, as they, they get older in life, they start to think about things like wills and estate planning. 
but but for people of our vintage, um, like how do you target people in our demographic who maybe don't think they need a will right now or they haven't thought about it or, you know, because I think for me, it kind of was when I had kids, it's like, oh, maybe I should think about this now. But there's a lot of people who, you know, have kids probably even thought about it. there's a lot of people who don't have kids, may, maybe they won't have kids, but they should also be thinking about it. What is the narrative and what is the messaging that you guys are putting out there to try to target this demographic that maybe hasn't been switched onto it yet, but but probably should be? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And uh, I think the biggest factor comes down to education. Um, there's so many myths and unknowns when it comes to estate planning. Uh, and that's kind of how we we attack the problem is is we 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 do a lot of blog posts. We we try to get people thinking about it in terms of how can we get content out there and and debunk myths and and help educate people. Um, but for us, uh, again, our demographic, it's usually people who are having their first kid, buying their first home, um, you know, or, or moving from one province to another. It, it's we 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 work around those life stages, and we kind of focus on um, you know if someone's having a new kid, we 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 look to you know um, parent groups, um, things like that. Um, it, it's it's again really comes down to education and and putting content out or, or having uh, web uh, webinars to to bring people in and it's honestly one of the the greatest things about willful has been it's been we've had amazing word of mouth um where it's one group of parents who said hey we got this i didn't know about this um you should check out this webinar um and again we are we are we are approaching this with uh, a light-hearted educational kind of tone it, it's not doom and gloom it's it's hey you're an adult now um it, it's it, there's certain things we want like we essentially call it adulting you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. once you get to this age you should have life insurance you should have a will especially if you have kids um but yeah educating people that wills are not just for the very rich um or, or people who have a lot of assets it's once you become an adult uh, or you know of age in your province you should even if you have zero assets pointing an executor uh is so important because if you don't have a will you're you're leaving it up to the um provincial um kind of uh formula that they've laid out um and it makes things take longer um and it's just a headache um but yeah that's probably the best way that we we look at our our core demographic of of people going through those life stages so so kevin you guys are you have a speed to market on your side. Um, you have some great credibility with some of those uh, partnerships and, and certifications you were talking about. I'm going to put sort of an investor's hat on for a second, because these are the discussions you have with your investor, like your investor group sort of behind closed doors when they're trying to understand what their ROI is going to be and where, where we go next. So how does Willful, and you don't have to answer this directly yeah. or anything, but you can come at it obliquely, like what your plans might be. Um, uh, to, to go beyond this, but now that you have that sort of sort of captured group of of trusted users, um, you must be thinking about how does Willful scale beyond sort of the product offering you currently have, and and maybe it's a scaling beyond uh, the borders of Canada, or maybe it's scaling beyond in, in product offering. What where where are we thinking about when, when when we think about sort of where the future of Willful is? Because uh, that's one of the things that investors always drill into your head, especially in the tech community, is like what's what's the next thing right 
Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we get that question a lot. Uh, when When is Willful expanding to another country? And um, the, the plain answer is it's it's not off the table. But for now, for the foreseeable future, there's such a, an opportunity still in Canada to to make an impact and, and make a larger impact. So, um, again, not the table, um, but there are there are competitors in, in, in different markets in, in the U.S., Europe and in Australia. Um, actually, we all are, are quite friendly and, and, and talk with each other and, and talk about problems and issues that uh, we've all come come across but uh for now it's it's canada but to your point about new product offerings again it's we have the will the power of attorney documents and uh, you know the if you think of estate planning as a whole there's there's so much and that's actually been something i've got in trouble with a couple of times because i'm, I'm always like let's do this why can't we build this and uh have you heard about this idea this is this is something that we should try to incorporate and, and it's, you know, we got to stay focused on the product roadmap. Um, but yeah, hundred um, percent. I, I'm most excited about kind of the, 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 the first iter iteration of willful where it's the, the planning kind of side of things um, without getting too black mirror ish. Um, <laughs> if you've seen those episodes where they, yeah. you know, they take AI and um, they essentially create a, a person's, perfect vocabulary and, and 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 mimic their voice and put them into a a robot like not that crazy but uh it's it's something that i'm excited about and we want to we're definitely looking at how we can again own the entire cycle of of estate planning where we're getting people to get the important documents but how can we help the consultant well how can we help it's not really the consumer, it's the family of the consumer. How can we make that process easier? Because again, everyone's going to go through it. Um, and it, it is one of the most difficult things you can do. Um, and it's, 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 it hasn't been perfected yet, right? It, mm -hmm. It's something that we want to, um, we, we want to fix that, that issue and make it, make it easy. Um, but there are so many ancillary uh, products or, or services that we can look into and, and and probably we would partner with again when a tech company you're looking at do we build it buy it or or or, or, or uh, you know partner um, we have some amazing partners who are, are in this kind of similar space or has similar similarities that would be essential to making closing up someone's life easier yeah, and I mean it's like uh, you know how Spotify tells you every year what your uh, your most listened to songs are. Imagine at the end of your life now. I mean, if you're if you're looking to decide, and if I've never told you what I want played at my funeral, you can get a pretty good guess uh, from the data that I've been putting down for forty years, right? Hopefully forty yeah. years. Hopefully forty more <laughs> yeah. years. Uh, that uh, that would then uh, package nicely into a little uh, montage at the end, right? Absolutely, but yeah, to your point about music food, venues, um, yeah. there, there's so many things that you don't realize that can come up. Um, and, and again, depending on the age of a, of a person, um, if someone is much older in you know, their 80s or 90s, there might not be as much emphasis and from, from family and, and friends, family, a lot of the, the older generations are, are, are very like precise on, I don't want to have this, I don't want to do this, um, you know, just put me in the ground and, and have a, have a drink or something. Uh, but I think now, uh, 
you know, estate planning and, and, and speaking of death has become a little bit more prevalent, I guess, with COVID and, and everything going on. But uh, we are seeing a definite need for people who want to kind of control um, how their end of life um, comes into play. And, and I applaud them because what they're doing or what they want to do is going to make things easier on their families. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, you've been so generous with your time today. So we appreciate you you talking to us about your journey in Willful. But before we let you go, we did want to have a little fun because we found, I, th- I think it was your Instagram bio that you said, <laughs> I, I, uh, you try to pretend I know things about wine, which is, uh, I feel like something I do, but I actually don't know anything about wine. Um, so before we let you go, what would be the one thing you would impart to our listeners and viewers that you do know about wine that you'd want to share so that other people could know this about wine? Oh, geez. Well, <laughs> not to put I you wasn't, on the spot or anything. I, yeah. I wasn't joking about pretending to know things about wine. <laughs> I've, and it's embarrassing because, uh, you know, we live in wine country right now uh, uh, in Prince Edward County. And, and I have been to some amazing wine regions around the world. Um, let, let me ask you this, Kevin. Maybe this will make yeah. it easier. So I, um, I've i been to the county, as I said, before we started recording. And um, if I'm not mistaken, uh Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are big in the county. Do you like either of those wines? Because I actually, it was it was almost the best scenario for me and the worst scenario for my wife because she <laughs> hates Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Chardonnay, and I love Pinot Noir and I love Chardonnay. And Chardonnay's back, by the way. It's not your your grandmother's wine anymore. So, it's yeah. So funny you say that. Yeah, um, Pinot and, and Chardonnay are big, but there are a few other uh, wines that are popular again because of the uh, the soil composition. Um, a lot of uh, limestone and whatnot, but uh, on the Chardonnay, I've since being in the county, I also have come to love Chardonnay. My <laughs> wife hates it, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm always wondering why Chardonnay has had such a weird um, following. But uh, I think yeah, it's 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 back, or maybe it's never left. But I'm, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a nice oaky, buttery Chardonnay to me, like crisp and cool, is is just so good. I don't know. Uh, my Absolutely. wife says it it reminds her of uh, the Golden Girls, you know. So I, uh, <laughs> you know, Nothing I'll I'll, I'll, I'll change your mind eventually. We're a, yeah. we're a pro Chardonnay podcast. That's where we'll leave yeah. it today. <laughs> okay, right. nice, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So super, uh, Kevin. Uh, again, thanks for the time you've spent with us today. It's been awesome to hear about your journey and willful. And uh, I hope to be visiting you guys in the county again soon now that things have opened up from the pandemic. I was there right before the pandemic, but I'd uh, love to come back and hopefully the, the locals uh, treat me well. I'll have to uh, I'll have to wear uh, I'll have to go in disguise or something. <laughs> no, the uh, the locals will, will definitely op- uh, welcome you with open arms. Uh, it's it's such a great place to be. And uh, if you do come, uh, Steve or Mike drop me a line we have uh we have a, a folder for uh for for recommendations on where to go where to eat uh wineries um but also if we're around we can meet up for a glass of chardonnay yeah. somewhere <laughs> there awesome. we go yeah that'd be good. great thanks so much uh again kevin and uh you know we wish you all the best with Wolfful in the future thank you and, and thanks so much for having me and uh it was it was a great time uh talking to you both today our awesome. pleasure thanks again kevin now steve we're going from an interview to an outro so maybe you can steal that one on the next pod
I don't know what you mean. Well, because you said you're going to steal one of Kevin's, you know, sayings from a vitamin to a painkiller. Of course, uh, yes. you know, it's, it's not very clear my analogy, but thanks for embarrassing me in, in front of all of our uh, our listeners and viewers. It's all good. Well, you know, most of what I say is stolen from brighter people than me. So, like, if anyone ever thinks that I'm even a, I have a, a modicum of uh, of grace, uh, it's due to the fine folks that we get to talk to every week. Uh, I'm 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 like the Borg of podcasts. Yes. What was that? What's the expression? Smart people uh, borrow, but geniuses steal. It's something uh, like that. I'm probably not saying it correctly. Well, I mean, it's important to quote it if you don't know it, right? <laughs> hey. Yeah. 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 No, great. Again, great chat with Kevin uh really interesting uh trajectory that the the company's been on really interesting to see how uh, covid has impacted the sort of end of life planning space mm-hmm. and how they were able to uh gracefully and respectfully uh jump in and help people at that time yeah no and i think it's it's uh you know i see a lot of like my own personal journey in the the company we like obviously after having kids we realize that like we should probably get our estate in order uh, we started actually going to one of our friends who's a lawyer, but then the pandemic interrupted that. So like we have a will drafted. It hasn't been signed yet. I have to get it signed. Um, but it's just one of those things where you don't think about it. And then all of a sudden you're like, maybe I should. But I think, you know, to Kevin's point that once you reach a certain age, regardless of your family situation and and who you have in your household with you, that you should be thinking about that. Because I I know from talking to other lawyers that, again, if you don't have your estate lined up and something happens unexpectedly, it is quite the process to to get that adjudicated, right? And, and to figure out how, where these assets go and who they go to and where they should go. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's quite 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 the process. But again, it's it's great that we have companies like Willful in Canada uh, that are disrupting that space and, and getting those services to people more readily and, and easily available. Yeah, and I mean, I'll ask a rather morose uh, question of you uh, on the way out because I found it really fascinating uh, what he said at the end around um, all of the process for the sort of funeral planning and like what the person might want in in final ceremonies. What would you think your last song would be played played at your funeral, Mike? This is this is part of your final wrapped Spotify list for uh, for the end of life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I maybe the chain by Fleetwood Mac. I feel oh, like I, yeah. I use that one a lot, but I think it also doubles w- quite nicely as a funeral ballad. Maybe I asked <laughs> a friend as the wind of blows. Our, I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I asked a friend of ours this question once. Uh, you'll guess who? Well, I'll tell you out there who it was. <laughs> and he said, "Highway to Hell." And, I, and I'm like, "That's that's it's, a bit uh, that's a bit a bridge too far for me." I think that's um, great. That's great. Uh, I asked you without having thought of it myself, so um, I'll take a moment. Um, probably "Wheel in the Sky" by Journey. That's a that's a good one for me. That's a good um, and one. It's, it sort of symbolizes that obviously the sun will still go uh, afterwards, right? So, um, but anyway, <laughs> on uh, that note, <laughs> on that note, everyone, uh, cheer up. But uh, no, it was great to have Kevin on, and yeah. uh, we'll we'll bring some new content to you next week. Uh, take care, everyone. See ya. The unlikely innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel, presented by Cambrian R and D in the Center for Smart Mining.